Today is Monday, February 13th, 2023. Coming up on the War at Home presented by the Night Shift Network. We break down a bit of the recent State of the Union speech from President Biden and what the president missed in his speech. Also, newly obtained information from immigration rights advocates have uncovered mistreatment and violence against black asylum seekers at the hands of ICE agents. Also, there was a lot of Republican pushback during the State of the Union, but why though? And why was Senator Lee so shocked? Well, we'll figure that out in our nice try segment. Folks, we've got a lot to talk about and very little time to do it. So let's get started. Kick that mew! Oh my God, here he comes. Last week, President Biden held his second State of the Union. In it, the president spoke about everything from bipartisanship and economics to race and policing and health care. The key words used for the speech, let's finish the job. Here are some highlights from the speech. Every crisis we've ever entered stronger than we got into it. Look, folks, that's what we're doing again. Two years ago, the economy was reeling. I stand here tonight after we've created, with the help of many people in this room, 12 million new jobs, more jobs created in two years than any president's created in four years because of you all, because of the American people. Two years ago, and two years ago, COVID had shut down, our businesses were closed, our schools were robbed of so much. And Today, COVID no longer controls our lives. And two years ago, democracy faced its greatest threats of the Civil War. And today, though bruised, our democracy remains unbowed and unbroken. As we gather here tonight, we're writing the next chapter in the great American story, a story of progress and resilience. When world leaders ask me to define America, and they do, believe it or not, I say I can define it in one word, and I mean this, possibilities. We don't think anything is beyond our capacity. Everything is a possibility. You know, we're often told that Democrats and Republicans can't work together. But over the past two years, we've proved the cynics and naysayers wrong. Yes, we disagreed plenty. And yes, there were times when Democrats went alone. But time and again, Democrats and Republicans came together, came together to defend a stronger and safer Europe. It came together to pass one in a, gen one in a generation, once in a generation infrastructure law, building bridges connecting our nation and our people. We came together to pass the most significant law ever, helping victims expose the toxic burn pits. And in fact, It's important. And in fact, I signed over 300 bipartisan pieces of legislation since becoming president, from reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act, the Electoral Count Reform Act, the Respect for Marriage Act that protects the right to marry the person you love. And to my Republican friends, if we could work together the last Congress, there's no reason we can't work together and find consensus on important things in this Congress as well. I think... Folks... You all are as formed as I am, but I think the people sent us a clear message. Fighting for the sake of fighting, Power for the sake of power, conflict for the sake of conflict gets us nowhere. That's always been my vision of our country, and I know it's many of yours. To restore the soul of this nation, to rebuild the backbone of America, America's middle class, and to unite the country. We've been sent here to finish the job, in my view. For decades, the middle class has been hollowed out in more than, and now no one administration, but for a long time. Too many good-paying manufacturing jobs move overseas. Factories closed down. Once thriving cities and towns that many of you represent became shadows of what they used to be. 
And along the way, something else we lost, pride, our sense of self-worth. I ran for president to fundamentally change things, to make sure our economy works for everyone, so we can all feel that pride in what we do, to build an economy from the bottom up and the middle out, not from the top down. Because when the middle class does well, the poor have a ladder up, and the wealthy still do very well. We all do well. I know a lot of you always kid me for always quoting my dad, but my dad used to say, Joey, a job's about a lot more than a paycheck. Because he really would say this. It's about a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about respect. It's about being able to look your kid in the eye and say, honey, it's going to be okay, and mean it. Well, folks, so let's look at the results. We're not finished yet by any stretch of the imagination, but unemployment rate is at 3.4%, a 50-year low. <laughs> a near record. A near record unemployment. near record unemployment for black and Hispanic workers. We've already created, with your help, 800,000 good-paying manufacturing jobs, the fastest growth in 40 years. <laughs> and where is it written? Where is it written that America can't lead the world in manufacturing? And I don't know where that's written. For too many decades, we imported projects and exported jobs. Now, thanks to what you've all done, we're exporting American products and creating American jobs. <laughs> Folks, inflation, inflation has been a global problem because the pandemic disrupted our supply chains, and Putin's unfair and brutal war in Ukraine disrupted ener energy supplies as well as food supplies, blocking all that grain in Ukraine. But we're better positioned than any country on Earth right now. But we have more to do. But here at home, inflation is coming down. Here at home, gas prices are down $1.50 from their peak. Food inflation is coming down. Not fast enough, but coming down. Inflation has fallen every month for the last six months, while take-home pay has gone up. Additionally, over the last two years, a record 10 million Americans applied to start new businesses. 10 million. Overall, the speech itself was different. It was, uh, I'll admit, a breath of fresh air. Uh, seeing the president be more vocal and more direct, particularly to his colleagues in the uh, so many different positions that they have, and seeing him be very direct about what he expects from them, as well as their interest in his uh, actions. The thing that I find just really interesting is how, in spite of so many things that have been said, how sharp and direct he was during that entire speech. Sure, he stumbled. Again, he's got the speech impediment. He's He's, you know, that he's dealt with and he's almost like a, a thousand at this point. But to hear him speak so clearly and so direct about a lot of these issues was a breath of fresh air. Honestly, it was surprising given uh, everything that's been said recently. I don't know if you've all heard about the lot of there have apparently been a lot of polls saying that there's a high percentage of Democrats that do not think he should run for a second term. Uh, so far, I mean, I'm surprised because initially he did say this would be the one and only term he would run for. Uh, but I guess times have changed. It has been almost four years and different perspectives are different perspectives. But a few key things I think that he did not do. He didn't expand on the aspect of race and policing in this country, the way he should have expanded on it. Given the fact that the Nichols family was in, were his guest, and it seemed like he did not put as much emphasis on how important that was, was it seemed it seemed like a really wasted opportunity. It seemed like a genuinely wasted opportunity. He could have highlighted the fact that uh, the Republicans seem to have 
very little interest in real accountability for law enforcement, but a lot of sympathy for law enforcement, particularly in situations where they end up killing people who are unarmed. But that's, you know, that's my, that's just, that's just what, how I would have said it. I'm not, you know, I'm not president. I damn sure would never run because I, you know, ugh, why? That's, I, I have a temper already. So what the fuck do I need to, you know, just add more things to go to a therapist I'm not going to go to for. But to be serious for a moment, the way that he was able to call out his, uh, colleagues in that speech and how he was very direct a lot of other experts have pointed out that he how direct he was pointing at them looking in their direction and forcing them to have to basically bend to the facts in front of the entire country on national television now of course you did get the outburst from a lot of them you get get the uh, you know the nonsense that came with that, and uh, we're gonna break that down a little later. But the idea of he, the president being so direct in his words, and most importantly being so upfront with what he expects from not only his own party but the opposite party, is interesting. Now. I do wish he would have pointed out and called out a few members of his party, particularly Senator Manchin and more people as well. Uh, Senator Sinema, I wish he would have called them out personally for the havoc that they wreaked the entire time up until uh, the Democrats were able to take full control of the Senate and the nonsense that came with that, because that was... Well, 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 lack of a better word, a shit show. There was, there was nonsense. How do you claim to have so much interest and importance on the issues of your constituents, but then you would then choose to work against anything that your party claims to support or represent? And, and that's another thing. I wish he would have uh, broken that you know, tradition and called them out like directly. Same interest and energy put into calling out the Republicans and demonstrating that, uh, I guess, that old school wit during the speech. He should have put that emphasis into calling out members of his own party, because, again, there's plenty of people who say that he shouldn't run for a second term. There's plenty of people who say that he uh, that he he's not he hasn't been doing a good job. And in this speech, he was able to, again, point out the opposite of that. He was pointing out the fact that that's not even true. His numbers and everything he's been able to accomplish, apparently more than almost the last three or four administrations, which is a feat all within, its, uh, all within itself. The thing for me, again, is the fact that for every good or, you know, fine point of that speech, there was no, there just wasn't enough bite for me. There, there should have been more uh, bite, I think. I think there should have been more bite on both uh, sides. There should have been more biting for, for his party as well as the opposite. Because, uh, again, we know what the Republicans are about. We, at this point, we understand it. We know what they're about. We, we, we know what they're really trying to do. and We know why they're trying to do it. They don't care anything about uh, anything except a corporation. And they have way too much money from their donors to care about anything else. But the, 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 the waves that have been put throughout the Democratic Party over the last uh, few years are just ridiculous. They are ridiculous the amount of time that this speech was it should have been much more direct a few key things i just think he should have taken more time to discuss health care should have taken more time to discuss race and policing the 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 fact that he did touch on it but it did seem like he had like he he didn't stick to it like he, he brought it up, he spoke about it, but it wasn't enough time 
to expand. Like he didn't put a lot of time into expanding on it. I know he was trying to get the points that he was trying to get across, but there could have been more when it came to those issues. Given the fact, again, that there was being uh, the recent case of Mr. Nichols, uh, given the the uh, there's a current case out of Texas of a man who was tasered in the back of an ambulance while he was having a seizure. Now, this is, of course, these are just this is just now this is new information to me. This is just new information to me. I haven't done the full research into that story as well. But just again, another example, race and policing in this country should be taken more seriously. And I hate the fact that he did not really make the time to expand on that the way he should have. And. I know there are going to be some people going to say, well, why does everything have to be about race? Because everything is about race. Everything is about race until it's not. When, and I say this to people I know. When we can go around and say, I don't like you because you ain't shit and have nothing personally, sexually, um, or racially attached to telling somebody that, then we've achieved peace. That's what peace is. When you can talk crazy and cuss and and call somebody a motherfucker and have no racial or homophobic or misogynistic apathet bullshit connected to it. Well, you could call somebody a bitch ass punk and have nothing connected to it. You have achieved peace. That's peace in our time. Peace in our time. Imagine that. That is what peace in our time really is. It's not. Oh, we love each other. We like each other. No, is when we can all tell each other to fuck off and not have any kind of connection to the fact that we're telling this person to fuck off because they're black or because they're Hispanic, or because they're white, or because they're gay or because they're a woman, or because of this or that. That is that's peace. That's real peace. That's the peace that nobody wants to admit is probably the only way we'll ever find it. When we can stop liking people just because they suck and not attach some shit to it. Because we're terrible people. Ah, but I digress. If there's more to this, and again, I'm going to try to break uh, this down a little bit more uh, throughout the week. I'm going to try to probably, I may do a, another recap episode or so, or, or two, to try to go deeper into this speech. But for the most part, I think that it was a good speech. Again, I think there should have been... Uh, some greater emphasis on a few other things, but of course, that's just my perspective. We're going to move on to our next story, and that next story is What's up, everybody? Looking for news? Looking for stories that you care about? Well, you've come to the right place. Here at the Night Shift Network, we talk about everything from politics to life. Look, We're not the best podcast network, but we are pretty good. With shows like The War at Home and Just My Opinion, with new shows and development as we speak. So what do you got to lose? Please like, share the Night Shift Network. We're available on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and now officially iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. More platforms coming soon. If you would like to donate to the show directly, you can do so with, of course, Cash App, dollar sign Food for Thought 99. That's dollar sign Food for Thought 99. And as always, we're with you and you are with the Night Shift Network. Thank you for listening and be safe. A recent investigation from Immigration Rights Advocates has uncovered the mistreatment of Cameroonian asylum seekers at the hands of ICE agents, according to an article by Democracy Now. The information obtained by the advocate details conversations between ICE agents as well as examples of racist language and physical violence against asylum seekers. Here is more information on the story. This is Amy Goodman with Democracy Now.
Immigration rights advocates have released a series of newly obtained documents revealing the racist and violent language used by Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE officials, against black asylum seekers. The communications between ICE agents are from 2020-21, while the Biden administration mass-deported black asylum seekers to Cameroon and other African countries in what became known as death flights. Dozens of Cameroonian asylum seekers deported by the U.S. faced torture, sexual violence and forced disappearances upon return turning to Cameroon. At the time, Cameroonian asylum seekers also denounced torture from ICE agents who assaulted and restrained them, they said, and many times violently forced them to sign their deportation orders. In one email chain, an ICE official compares deportations to sports, while a high-ranking ICE official living in Cameroon complained about having difficulties finding a Catholic church there that wasn't Africanized. So, at this point, who's really surprised? Let's just, let's just be real. There have been multiple examples of President Biden before he was President Biden being very, very clear about his disinterest when it came to certain countries as well. Now, I'm bringing this up now. I'm not waiting until an election year. I'm not waiting till he tries to run for a second term. I'm not waiting to try some uh, convenient BS like a lot of people did during the time uh, when he was running against the last guy. Now, I'm bringing this up now. This information is recent. Now, the information that I'm talking about is recent. So I'm going to come from my perspective with new information I have just learned. Okay? This is not, again, this is not an election year. He's not currently running for a second term. I am not trying to bring this up at any point. At any point during that. So I'm coming from my perspective without having any potential political agenda connected to it. This is the story as I found out the information and this is what I'm choosing to talk about. Now, that being said, if you hear anyone, <clears throat> forgive me, if you hear anyone bring this up later, particularly, let's say next year during its the, the time when he's going to try to run for a second term, okay, you know where they're coming from and you understand why they're bringing this up. And particularly, if it happens to be the other side and their candidate may crop up and bring this particular example up, you know why they're bringing it up and you know what to expect from their campaign. See, again, I'm bringing this up now. And I'm trying to emphasize, I'm bringing this up now, before next year, because the president has already made it clear he will probably run for a second term. So I'm bringing this up before that point so that you know this information and this information you've heard already. So if anyone who's listening may come across this or this may happen if you watch the, the, a future debate or anything like that, you understand that this person is bringing this up for a bullshit reason and anyone that may bring it up as well i.e fox news or anyone else may bring this up during that point they're trying to sling bullshit that's all that is is keep that in mind now that being said here we are yet another example of this administration Dropping the ball, for lack of a better word, uh, for example, like like this. I mean, look, for being honest, I'm not really that surprised. Like, there have been dozens and dozens of different examples where ICE has demonstrated that it is an organization that we maybe need to look into a little further, a little deeper. Maybe take some time to look into, you know, that organization, because let's be clear, it hasn't just been uh, black asylum seekers that have talked about unfair and just inhumane treatment from these people. This is not just the black asylum seekers that have had to try to contend with treatment they don't have to contend with, regardless of where they're coming from, regardless of what they're trying to go through. Here's my here's my problem when are we actually going to push 
as hard as we should. Now, I'm not saying that we didn't push hard when it came to the Haitian uh, uh, asylum seekers and uh, migrants that came through a few uh, months back. And we saw the images of these agents on horseback running after them, swinging their reins at them, uh, reminiscent of a time in history that nobody wants to talk about because history is scary. But again, this did happen. So this particular thing, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Like, again, we have multiple examples of where President Biden uh, before he was president, it was very, very flipping at the mouth with certain issues. Haiti was one of those examples. Uh, come on now. We're not surprised. But then again, we all got really pissed off when the uh, last guy pulled the same thing. I'm just saying it's, it's awful quiet now about all those babies, uh, even though a lot of those same babies also talked about inhumane treatment at these places as well i mean I'm, I'm just i'm just trying to say those examples these these things aren't new like this is this is new information for me because i'm just finding this story on i need to do some more research in it to keep up with it as well but these these stories aren't that new um i mean the physical violence and and uh the physical violence verbal abuse and apparently sexual abuse were also done to those migrant children that came through the border during the trump administration as well so let's let's also be clear about that this is nothing special okay unfortunately this country has a terrible history regardless of let's say what president what president and what party happens to be you know steering the ship when it comes to immigration, we have a bad history of it. I mean, uh, I know you have those people who are going to try to say, oh, well, you know, we should close the border. I'm like, no, we should probably maybe, you know, I don't know, make a border. Why don't we try doing that first? We, we could try to actually make one, make a border so that their people can come through and then they can go through the process they're supposed to come through. And then on the flip side, not have to be tossed around and disrespected and you know have to try to endure inhumane treatment for absolutely no reason i mean of course there is another story of this as well that details this but i digress these stories aren't that new if we're being really honest these stories aren't that special as much as the people in this country choose to whine and choose to make noise some of the noise i will admit has some merit to it about immigration and about immigrants in particular the treatment that we're hearing about the treatment that we're seeing and examples like this aren't new this has been the running gag when it comes to immigration for i want to say the last few decades the the idea that this administration is doing something that's so god awful and terrible it's not new this has been happening this happened under multiple administrations this continues to happen notice how quiet it's gotten when it uh when it's come to uh the the children that have been taken and separated from their parents trying to cross the border and they take one very small example of where this person had a kid that wasn't their kid and they were trying to smuggle one thing or another in there. Okay, cool. So that one person justifies this massive act. Now, mind you, again, as you heard in this part of the story, they were, again, they were mass uh, deporting people. And those people faced harsh and terrible repercussions if they were sent back to where they were coming from just like so many other hispanic uh, uh, immigrants who have come through to try to get out of places where they would face the same thing there was a story just a few years ago where abc news went down to mexico and i believe mexico city and during their interview with some people trying to seek asylum they did a whole piece on it on abc you can probably find it on their youtube channel 
During that, the cartel had left a warning because they're known for that down there. The cartel leaves a cooler out there with a dude's head inside of it. Okay, they leave a, I'll say this again, they leave a cooler with a guy's head on the sidewalk. Okay, this is not new. The treatment that these uh, Cameroonian asylum seekers are facing, that's not even new. President Biden is just as guilty as any other president when it comes to their imbalance when it comes to immigration. Because unfortunately, once again, and I bring this up again, and I'm bringing this up before an election year. I say it again. I'm bringing this up before an election year. And I'm bringing this up now. This article is from Democracy Now! And it is in the year 2023, not 2024. This information is from 2023. So when you hear this information next year, when it comes to, you know, it's time to just get around and see about voting and everything. Remember this. If anybody brings this up next year, check and see if they brought it up the year before this point. If they don't bring it up the year before and no Republicans decide to mention this before, you know what they're doing? Complete bullshit. That's all that is. The point I'm trying to make is that this is new. These asylum seekers were going through the same thing that so many other asylum seekers have had to go through. And as star spangled awesome as a country that we are supposed to be. It seems like we get less and less and less and less open to the idea of this country being for everybody who wants to be an American. The idea of living up to the idea of this country seems to get harder and harder every single year. So these are our stories like this don't even shock me. I'm like, oh, wow, really? They just talking about that? I just want to know what about the migrant children and the Haitian folks that were coming across a few months ago, last few years. How are they doing? I'm just curious. This again is a good example of pay attention and be mindful. There are just as many skeletons when it comes to immigration for the Democrats as it is for the Republicans. But at least the Democrats actually try to do something. Before an election year. Anything you can take away from this story is that until we get what they would really call common sense immigration and we get people in these positions of power and authority that want to try to get common sense immigration uh, pushed for we're going to keep coming back to stories like this being really honest these asylum seekers should never have gone through this not to obtain what they believe to be the American dream but I guess maybe as you get older, you'll start to realize that the American dream is really a nightmare for the people who know what that dream looks like. But that was just my two cents. Folks, we're going to take a break and we're going to be right back. This is The War at Home presented to you by the Night Shift Network. And uh, yeah, see you in a few. What's up, everybody? Looking for news? Looking for stories that you care about? Well, you've come to the right place. Here at the Night Shift Network, we talk about everything from politics to life. Look, we're not the best podcast network, but we are pretty good. With shows like The War at Home and Just My Opinion, with new shows and development as we speak. So what do you got to lose? Please like, share the Night Shift Network. We're available on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and now officially iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. More platforms coming soon. 
If you would like to donate to the show directly, you can do so with, of course, Cash App, dollar sign Food for Thought 99. That's dollar sign Food for Thought 99. And as always, we are with you and you are with the Night Shift Network. Thank you for listening and be safe. So during the State of the Union speech last week, the president received heavy pushback from the Republicans. During the speech, one of them being the Jewish space laser lady, Marjorie Taylor Greene, or as I like to call her, massive ton of garbage, was one of the most vocal. Here is a little bit of that. Some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. I'm not politely not naming them, but it's being proposed by some of you. Look, folks, the idea is that we're not going to be we're, we're not going to be moved into being threatened to default on the debt if we don't respond. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Oh, shit. I'm so, uh, let me let me uh, uh, you, you know what time it is. This is nice try, motherfucker. 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 Yeah, this is nice try. My favorite segment, so I can give stupid people a minute, so they can learn why they're stupid, and well, probably not do very much to to be better. But I digress. So. This is nice try for a reason, because I just want to highlight how ridiculous that whole thing was. The idea of the Republicans being so vocal in their opposition and so direct with calling the president, uh, it's your fault. This, that, rah, 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 rah. It's like, okay, cool. One of the individuals, if I remember, was the one who yelled out, it's your fault. Well, that particular individual has always let his mouth get him in trouble. I don't know if you remember this particular thing, but, uh, well, here's a little bit of what he also had to say. Uh, uh, oh, what? What is that? What? The president of the United States looked us right in the eye and mischaracterized what half the people in the chamber believe, what half the cha- people in the chamber, according to him, want. It wasn't true. Did you recognize that voice? That was Senator Mike Lee. You don't know who Senator Mike Lee is? Well, he's responsible for golden oldies like this. I'm here right now to tell you one thing that you probably haven't ever heard from a politician. It will be my objective to phase out Social Security, to pull it up by the roots and get rid of it. Um, people who advise me politically always tell me that's dangerous, and I tell them, in that case, it's not worth my running. That's why I'm doing this, to get rid of that. Medicare and Medicaid are of the same sort and need to be pulled up. I just want to know what he was lying about. Just That's just me. But I do like the fact that these same people who have uh, done this kind of uh, shit are so vocal when it comes to their denial of any wrongdoing. It comes to their denial of fault. It's the president's fault that we didn't vote for this and that. And it's not our fault that we didn't vote for this and that. But here's the thing. Just like this is just one example. When it came to raising the minimum wage not too long ago, There were almost 10 Democrats who voted against doing that. One of them being uh, Christian Cinema, or as I like to call her, the waste of Skinema. She was one of the Democrats who voted against it. But in that, there were no Republican votes. Now, I could be wrong, but there were no Republican votes. The Republicans basically have pulled a stonewall trick for damn near everything that's ever tried to pass the Senate. Even when they lost the majority of control, they pretty much said no to any and everything. 
the minority leader, Mitch McConnell, or as I like to call him, the dark one, has always demonstrated his disinterest. The Grim Reaper has never played any games when it came to not passing legislation that could do not only the country some good and at certain levels of the country some good, but his own constituents. Come on now, let's, let's be real. These people are a joke. And this is fueling the fire when it comes to how much of a joke they actually are. Because we all know that you can yell, you can scream, you can holler, you know, make a whole little fuss and do all that other shit. But guess what? A hit dog will holler. If it's not the truth and it's not the case, as he pointed out, president pointed out during his speech, come on and do it. When it's time to vote on this stuff, come on and do it. If you have some input, throw something in there that you think that might also help with the thing. But don't just don't get on this. Uh, this this during this this major event with your anger and your bullshit. I mean, as a wise man once said, "Don't come down here with your anger, trying to prove something to yourself. This is a world you never understand, and you always fear what you don't understand." These people don't understand. They don't have any interest in trying to understand. Some of these people represent some of the poorest fucking places in this country, and these people, and I say again, these people will try to find a consistent reason why they can't vote for something that would benefit their constituents as well as other members of the country. These people who represent places where they take out $3 from the federal budget and they put a dollar back in. These places where they have people who are living in areas that could be classified as a third world a forgive me a third world third world country these places where they have areas where there are people who are suffering okay they are suffering but yet they keep trying to pander and push the bullshit narrative of the top can trickle down the wealth. Here's a little fun fact. The country lost during the pandemic nearly $4 trillion. Most of these major corporations made damn near $4 trillion during that period. The world lost a massive amount of money. I correct myself now. The world lost almost $4 trillion. These companies made almost $4 trillion. So let me say this again. When do we start to see the trickle-down effect? You know how many unions Amazon has to date? One. Anybody remember the black farmers that just won a federal lawsuit so they could actually get money because a lot of the relief money that basically put all these other farmers on welfare the thing that the Republicans hate so much, but they were willing to do that. They were willing to put farmers on welfare because of the such wonderful, wonderful, fantastic, fantastic efforts of the last president to try to make up for the fact that they were shitting where everybody had to eat. There's been a lawsuit. This was just a few months ago. There was a lawsuit that they've now, those black farmers now have to sue because they're dealing with these other farmers who were content with getting uh, this money that they were getting, now wanting to get a piece of what money was able to be allocated uh, for black farmers. These issues have been going on since the 60s. But, you know, it, it's not like that's any that has any historical facts behind it. It's not like you can look up this information and find that, oh, 
there's always been an imbalance when it comes to agriculture, when it comes to education, when it comes to damn near everything, as long as there are black and brown bodies attached to it. Wow. So I just asked uh, my Republican enemies. I'm just going to say it because, you know, they say colleagues, I say enemies. Where's that energy when it's time to vote for some of these things? Are you going to try to include things that will benefit your constituents to try to get this thing pushed through with your party? Or are you going to stay the obstructionist party? Are you going to still sit in the way of progress and claim that you're protecting American values when all you're doing is really protecting your bottom line? If the president is such a damn liar, so such a terrible person, prove him wrong. Get your ass up and vote to get these things passed. Because the last I checked... These things will benefit college kids and uh, the elderly, the working class, and those who live below the poverty line. All those people who need to have a step up in the right direction. My real question is, if we're just going to keep trying to get people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, I mean... Shouldn't they at least have straps and boots? Boots would be good, too. So if he's such a liar, why don't you get off your ass, work with your your Democrat colleagues, and try to get things passed that will benefit the people in this country. I mean, we just can't put all the money into fucking defense. Come on now. We can take some of that money and work on getting these schools in good condition. You want to bitch and whine about money to Ukraine. You want to kowtow for Vladimir Putin. But you don't want to get you off your ass. And actually take the effort and the initiative. To try to get this money. That this country makes. And while this country is starting to bounce back. From a pandemic that your president. Botched and fucked up. And actually do something. That you're supposed to do. As a person, do some good. And what you're supposed to do as the person that's in a position you're in, govern. Don't whine, don't bitch, don't lie, don't make up excuses. Govern the people. And fight for the interest of the people. Not for your donors and not for your fucking bottom line. But hey, that just sounds a little bit too much like right. So let me back off. Look, if there's anything you guys can take away from this particular segment is I really, 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 really want to see these individuals, I say it, cocksuckers, put their monies where their mouths are. Put their feet in them boots that they love so much, strap them up and get some work done. And if that doesn't happen... I want the people who keep voting for these people to hold their feet to the fire until those fucking boots melt off. This is not a joke. This is not a game. People are still dying. People are still suffering. And it all happens outside of Chicago. Make some fucking effort to do what you were put there for. Govern and work I'm acting like a bunch of fucking idiots. Oh, goodness. Okay, folks, we're going to take another break. And we are going to be right back. This is The War at Home presented to you by the Night Shift Network. If you would like to support the show, you can send it in through Cash App. That's Food for Thought 99. Food for Thought 99 on Cash App. This is The War at Home, and we will be right back. What's up, everybody? Looking for news? Looking for stories that you care about? Well, you've come to the right place. 
Here at the Night Shift Network, we talk about everything from politics to life. Look, we're not the best podcast network, but we are pretty good. With shows like The War at Home and Just My Opinion, with new shows and development as we speak. So what do you got to lose? Please like, share the Night Shift Network. We're available on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and now officially iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. More platforms coming soon. If you'd like to donate to the show directly, you can do so with, of course, Cash App, dollar sign Food for Thought 99. That's dollar sign Food for Thought 99. And as always, we're with you, and you are with the Night Shift Network. Thank you for listening, and be safe. So folks, that's it. But before we go, remember something very important. The truth needs no defense. So don't waste time arguing with a fool. Justice is a right, not a privilege. And no matter how long the battle may seem or feel, we can never give up the war at home. Thank you for listening and be safe. I sort of gave up on the human race and gave up on the American dream and culture and nation and decided that I didn't care about the outcome. And that gave me a lot of freedom from a kind of distant platform to be sort of uh, amused, uh, a, a kind of, uh, to watch the whole thing with a combination of wonder and pity and try to put that into yeah. words. Not caring about the outcome. What right. do you mean by that? Not having an emotional stake in whether this experiment with human beings works. I really don't care. Uh, I love people as I meet them one by one. People are, the, are just wonderful as individuals. You see the whole universe in their eyes if you look carefully. But as soon as they begin to group, as soon as they begin to clot, when there are five of them or ten, or even groups as small as two, they begin to change. They sacrifice the beauty of the individual for the sake of the group. I decided it was all under the control of groups now, whether it's business, religion, political people or what, and I would distance myself from wishing for a good outcome. Let it do what it's going to do, and I'll enjoy it as an entertainer. This has been The War at Home, presented to you by the Night Shift Network, available on Apple, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and see you soon.